I'm Trey from Spirit Breaker, and I brought Alex with me today, and this is Interview Under Fire. All right, everyone, welcome back to a brand new edition of Interview Under Fire. This is once again your host, Sonny, and this time, along with two very special guests, Trey Turner and Alex Mitchell. It's an honor, guys. Thank you so much for joining our IUF series today. Now, to kick this off, I mean, uh, this is an exciting time of the year for you and the rest of the band over at Spirit Breaker with the release of your latest studio album, Curanata, Unleashes here on August 13th on Solid State. And I just want to commend you both on all the well-deserved recognition it's been getting so far. I mean, especially with those head-banging singles that dropped uh, Floros and Pure Fury and Wonder. Plenty of amazing things to unravel about, you know, this album and who you guys are all about. But... Before we get to all that and beyond, we kind of touched on it before we started. Uh, how are you? I know it's a very simple question, but an important one to ask considering <laughs> what's been happening in the last, I don't know, e- even just seven months. What's Michigan um, been like for the last seven months, guys? <laughs> okay. All right. All right. <laughs> Putting so, you on the spot to start things off. I see that. All right. So first off, thank you so much for having us. Um, of course. And to answer your question. COVID obviously was, uh, so, so I'll, I'll bring 2020 into it because that's, that's the, the meat of it all, right? Um, and it is 2021. 20- Let me remind you, it's not 2020 anymore. I know, <laughs> it but feels COVID like the same year, right? <laughs> Truly, it feels like I've been in 2020 this entire time. Um, so the last time I was 100% happy, 100, like, Simple happiness, hmm. the easy accepting happiness is when I got to see my favorite band uh, with Alex, actually. Um, uh, it was my ex, his wife. Um, we went to see, the four of us went to see Silent Planet with him to animate. Oh, man. Little did we know that that was going to be the last show we would see for who knows how long. Um, yeah. But man, that, that was an awesome experience, especially with Invent Animate, you know, making their comeback. Um, I damn near cried because that's that's like my favorite band. Um, them and ABR, but uh, you know, oh, we could I, talk uh, about those bands forever, man. Oh my yeah, god, yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it was it was an awesome experience, and then the world ended, and then it was like, oh, there are no shows, and it just it it felt like a joke for the longest time, like mm-hmm. like a sick joke because I was just like, why? am I only affected by this? Like in terms of of a social standpoint for where I live, why am I only affected by this? Because not all of my friends are musicians and a lot of people were still able to do the things that they wanted to do, but it was over for for entertainment and musicians or interacting with any type of audience that was dead. So everything I've been as a person since freaking 20, 2009 basically was gone in an instant and it was the darkest experience of my life um you know and i i I feel bad because at the time you know we weren't a professional band or assigned to a label or anything like that i can't imagine how you know architects or august burns red or or bands like thy art or anyone that is semi-large in our genre of music I can't imagine how it feels to be on the road knowing that you're constantly touring and then you're just stuck at home. Yeah, um, your lifestyle changes just in a blink, technically. 
man, it seems like, you know, 2020 was bearable at first. And then it wasn't. Um, and I don't know if, if you experienced this, but like, it seemed like everyone who was in a relationship, like people forgot how to be together because you're trapped in the house. Yes. Dead person. And now, you know, either one of you is working from home or one of you isn't working. And it's like, now you have to adapt and relearn this person because you're with them all the time. They don't have their own private space away from you anymore. And that seemed to cause a rift in a lot of people's relationships because people were breaking up left and right in COVID. And um, I basically did. Um, it wasn't until later on, but it essentially died during COVID. Um, so that sucked. I had to uh, figure out how to basically live, I guess, because mm-hmm. I didn't have my outlet anymore. I didn't have my terms of expression or connection because I couldn't meet new people and shake their hand or be in that sweaty beer smelling environment, which the next time I smell beer in the air, it'll probably, probably, (laughs) I probably will sob because it's just like everything felt like I took it for granted when it was gone. Um, And now I'll even bring this in because this is, this ties into the interview. So um, I'm hope I'm not shooting off too fast if this ended up being one of your questions. No, but, no, you're the floor is yours, man. You're good. Well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, so obviously, if you didn't know who we I'm, you probably didn't know who we were until till the PR stuff. Yeah. But um we were so prepared to give everyone Kiranata last year. Like we were like, yeah, man, September or November is gonna come out. Yeah, so we dropped Pure Fury and Wonder, and it did great. And then we dropped to Cure for Wellness, and it did not so great. Um, but right after Cure for Wellness, we were talking to our cinematographer about doing a video for the track Hollow Presence. Because we were like, we're going to do Hollow Presence, and then that's just going to announce the album, and then the album will come out either with Hollow Presence or shortly after. And then we got a call from Adam, our A&R, and he's just like, yeah, y'all ain't doing none of that. <laughs> and then yeah. basically he was just like, it's time. Mind you, we had been talking to Adam for years at this point, and he finally, like, we sent him an update, and he finally heard Pure Fury and A Cure for Wellness. He's like, yeah, bro, you guys are not dropping this album alone. He was just like, you know, so it's just going to come out through SS, but you just can't drop anything else. So we're like, sick. So in, like, fall, right? We can Fall, like how we plan. He's like, yeah. Ah. he's like yeah bro let's try july of next year i like when i heard that bro i kind of died a little bit because i was just like a a whole year basically bro i'm like we've already dropped two singles and i'm just like man so once again you have people who are fans i'll say close fans and they're asking you like yo bro so where is it and you're like uh yeah, <laughs> you can't really give them a response. <laughs> yeah, you can't really talk about the signing. So it was just kind of like we were in this weird state of limbo about promising something that we basically lied about. And I know, in the grand scheme of things, that won't matter. But 
it mattered to me because these are the people who got your band to the point that it is now. These are all the little people who put all the work, who bought all the tickets, who buys all your merch, who supports you the most, and you can't tell them anything. And that sucks. Um, so I had to re- I had to go through this weird mental state of trying to understand how politics of being in a band works because you have this idea of how you're going to do an album release and then the label's like, yeah, I need A, B, C, D, and E from you. And you're like, I've never heard of these things in my life. So yeah. then now we're running around like chickens with our heads cut off trying to figure out, well, how do I get whatever the hell this thing is? And then you ask your producer and they're like, yeah, bro, I don't know what that is. And you're like, sick. Something sick. like that. You know, you're talking about experiences like, 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 for example, here's the thing. Let's be real here. There's no protocol for a pandemic, right? For an album release. Like we got to do this, 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 this. This is everything is just kind of we're kind of just going on the fly, but experiencing what you guys have experienced. Did you guys get in touch with any other friends who were in bands that were kind of experiencing the same things like, hey, what do we do here? They told us to do this, this, this. I don't know what the heck I'm doing. Uh, I mean, like you said, running around with their heads cut off is, you know, it's just we released two songs. What did you do? Can you give me advice? Like, did you reach out to anybody else who had that? You know, you you know what I'm saying? It's funny that you asked that because our situation is so specific. And what I mean by specific, it's like most people that I've talked to, they've never been in a situation where they had an album with singles already out and then extended the album because originally for the sake of Flowers and Garden of Clouds was not originally on the album. We actually recorded that earlier this year and added them to the album because wow. we needed more singles to push. But I felt like it was a disservice to everyone who was going to get the record for you to basically essentially get the album. And then the only new songs you would have gotten at that point would have been Hollow Presence. Um, well, no, those would have been singles. So you would have just heard Inhabitant, Lux Nova, and Stardust Memory. Those would have been the only in Curanata. So you'd have four songs to look forward to. And I'm like, bro, that's trash. I can't, I can't in good conscience do that. Mm. I was like, so let's just go record more songs. Truly, the record would have ended up being a 13 track, but the other two songs just didn't make it because we just didn't have enough time to work on those the way we wanted to. So um you got Floros and Garden of Clouds out of that. Um never saw Floros being a single, didn't see that coming. But it, it worked. It did its thing. People Pretty love single. it. I don't. You like it? See, man, people love that song. And it's, I'm just it, like, uh, <laughs> it's it's funny you say that. Um, because uh, of Cure for Wellness is actually my favorite one off the album. It's funny how you said it didn't do very well. Awesome. It's actually my favorite one, which I, I do want to talk about that much further down on this interview. Uh, I didn't mean to interrupt you there, Trey, but you're talking about. I want to make sure I, I keep that uh, state of mind as as you talked about it. How you know, someone like me didn't, wasn't aware of Spirit Breaker until a month ago, something like that, for example. Yeah. And you're talking about everything that you guys are experiencing now. What mm-hmm. I want to do is I want to wind the clock back, guys, uh, to almost a decade back to maybe okay. 2013, because for fans and listeners who may not know, if you could just briefly talk about that moment in your life that led to the forming of Spirit Breaker, along with Johnny and Aaron into who you guys are today. I mean, does it feel like everything also went by in a blink at the same time? Oh yeah, this is, well, I, I'll take this one. Cause I have the 2013 story. So sure. <laughs> the band started in uh, January of 2013 and I knew the old vocalists before Trey 
And um, Johnny had been with his best friend, which was his bassist for, you know, ever since childhood. And they started a band and it was called Motives. And so I jumped in for one song and I don't remember it going very well, but when we released it, it, you know, it did well for, you know, the a starting band. Um, and then a few months went by and um, Johnny and Scar decided that they wanted to um, work with their old drummer. So I was like, okay, I understand that. So I was out of the band until the start of 2014. Uh, the original drummer, whoever, whoever that was that they knew didn't end up joining. And I uh, reached out to Anthony, the guy that made um, our first album back in 2014 before we were Speeder Breaker. And he was like, hey, this, this isn't working out. Um, they're going to need like, like some help or, you know, or the band is not going to work. So I borrowed some GoPros and I recorded the EP that they made together. And I just sent it to him and I was like, hey, this is super awkward. And like, I didn't know Johnny and I, at the time. And I was upset because, you know, I felt like, felt like I just lost like, you know, a cool opportunity real quick in a few months. And now I'm here like back in his inbox, like, Hey, I just, I just uh, made a video of your songs. Like if you need somebody and um, it worked out, you know, this is like the start of 2014 and got back in and we all like talked about it and moved on from it. And the day after I joined the band, uh, the vocalist that I knew, he got removed and he left and things didn't work out with him. So I'm like, Oh good. The one person that I felt safe around in the band is no longer in the band. <laughs> so in comes Anthony again. And he's like, Hey, I got this guy and it happened to be Trey. And so me and Trey kind of joined around February of 2014. Um, and we kind of just grew faded gray for a couple of years. And we learned that the band, the band title faded gray was all also copyrighted from an old band <laughs> in 2002. So we had to change our name in 2016 and we made sure to trademark that real quick. Um, so that's kind of like a brief history and like a funny start to our story and how we ended up together. Oh man, that's a great story. Uh, yeah, no, see, I didn't know that. See, I think it's important for someone yeah. like you guys to actually put that out there on how you guys, because here's the thing about this album, you guys did have that chemistry and I heard that throughout Kiranata. You know, you're talking about, you know, from where you started to where you are now, something that's been a common thing is, you know, not being able to do is, is touring. And you guys have been touring for a good amount since spirit breaker became spirit breaker. And as I, as I began to think about that, how was the touring life for both of you personally? Cause I know you guys played at warp tour. I think one of the last years at warp tour, if, I, if I'm correct. And we've all been kind of just you, forced you, to you know forced a lot about us. <laughs> Here's the thing. And, and, and I was going to say like, we've all been forced to like take this unexpected step back. I don't know. You, Trey, you're talking about being busy with this. You know, Alex, you've been doing what you're doing, but has this time lately made you both develop, I don't know, a newfound appreciation, a growing appreciation of the touring life? Like, what was your favorite part about it? Like, what stands out about touring the most? Um, I, I'll, I'll go first, because I feel like my perception of this might be a little bit different than Alex's. Mm -hmm. um, for, for me, I missed touring so much that if someone came up to me like, bro, you can do a tour, but it's at, it's at the, excuse my language, it's at the shittiest place as possible. Oh, how and dare you say that word? I'm kidding. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> and you uh, you have to play in front of two people each night and you can mm -hmm. do it for two weeks. I do it. I do it because I, man. Okay, so I'm a very, I, I like to think I pay attention to detail. So... I missed being able to see the buffaloes or the cows on random farms on the freeway 
the the way the 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 water sparkles when it's super sunny outside, or how I would be listening to Fallujah and the windows down, and I could just appreciate how beautiful it is to be another state that I've never seen before. Bro, or, how are you describing exactly the way I describe my experiences to people? That's crazy. Something like that, something simple like that, driving across the country listening to Fortitude, for example. I remember I drove to Louisiana. <laughs> You know, to see a band early June and Fortitude was on repeat, like l- just Man. looking at the landscapes. Anyway, uh, just I resonate <laughs> with that, like full, uh, full heartedly. So that makes go, me go happy ahead. that I'm not alone. <laughs> no, I love that. I love that. Uh, most uh, a good chunk of tour for me is listening to my favorite bands and trying to go to pretty areas and to just connect with myself and nature. Because like, uh, am I a nature guy? Hell no. But the point is like. The only reason why I'm not a nature guy is because I don't know how it is to appreciate it. So I figured it out on tour. And I was like, damn, bro, water is really pretty. Excuse me. The the, the sun is really freaking cool. Like trees and stuff and watching animals just exist to some foreign areas with pretty meadows and stuff while you hear blast beats and like high notes is actually pretty freaking cool. I'm going to use that and... as a bit. And that's great. <laughs> <laughs> so like um you know or just realizing how you don't get to be close with a group of people who you probably for the most part because bands come and go so much that you didn't even really know that well but mm-hmm. you grew to know them as years progressed because you had a common goal and i realized how much i missed being in the van and just kind of existing doing my own thing whether it was reading or playing a game or listening to music and just being able to see my friends exist in the van doing their own thing, whether we're all laughing together or just chilling or whatever. I, I miss that. I miss being able to bond with them and to travel to different places, whether if we were quiet the ride or we were being obnoxious, you know, it was just so many things that I didn't realize because a lot of it sucks. A lot of it sucks as you tour in the beginning because no one knows who you are. You don't really know what you're doing. You don't really know how you should be eating or a meal plan or blah, blah, blah. That's things you figure out as you go. But even my worst experiences touring, I missed because I felt like, you know, if I knew that it was all going to be ripped away from me, I would have, I would have taken it in a lot more. Yeah. Little things. No, no, no. I was going to say like little things start to really stand out the further we go. Um, along 2021 and you know it's i think it's having bad experiences on a tour whatever experiences that may be i feel like it's all part of the experience it's all part of the growth into who you guys are today yeah. um uh sorry did i cut you off there trey i think you were wanting to add no, something no, no, no. okay um uh, but i want to get your either of your take on this because um you've seen it you've seen this for the last year a very common topic on here in iuf and i'm sure it's the same thing with all the other major publications out there is live streaming a lot of the bands what they've been doing on stage they're taking it to the screen like we're doing right now obviously these interviews would be in person but excuse me but we've had bands on here on interview under fire like devon townsend august burns red uh seven dust twisted so many and they talked about their experiences on you know um uh selling virtual tickets to the fans you know uh pre-recording a show live streaming a show what have you and I think Code Orange was one of the first bands to do it right when the pandemic hit. I don't know if you guys remember that. They did that empty. I remember that, yeah. That, that performance, yeah, on that, uh, which mm-hmm. Twitch is blowing up. That's another uh, platform that's been, uh, you know, uh, at, at a good state right now with the pandemic. 
just taking advantage of a good situation uh, of a crazy situation and mm-hmm. making the best of it. But they did that performance at an empty venue and then they streamed it for the fans and every, everything kind of just caught on like wildfire. But with the amount of touring that you guys have done, being on the road as for as long, for as, long as you have, the collaborations you've done with different bands, uh, do you guys think that the rise of the quarantined-induced live streaming we've been seeing for the last year and a half, is that going to affect the touring musician business going forward through your perspectives? Like, has it already been affected? Do you still see bands doing something like this as a normality once we reach December or even the early parts of 2022? Um, it's, it's a weird question. It's a weird question because um, it, it varies. Like, let me give you an example. Um, I, we did one, we did one, uh, you know, just to, to interact, to show our faces, to do our thing. We, if I'm not mistaken, I want to say we played songs during that live stream that still aren't out live like now. Like I think we play Hollow Presence. Um, we did, yeah. Yeah, like we play Hollow Presence and we play Pure Fury. The only time we've ever played that live, if you can say that. Mm-hmm. Um, in this particular situation, the person that we went through, it was like fairly priced. So it would be easy to do something like that again. But if we're talking about a band like the Contortionists, like how they did Exoplanet recently, I didn't see that live stream. But my point in bringing this up is... I know what you're talking about, though. That was insane. <laughs> I wanted to. I wanted to, but I didn't see it. Um, I feel like... I guess I got to use Silent Planet as a better example. Uh, the place that they went to, I don't know if you saw that stream, but it mm-hmm. had like, you know, the HD panel screens and yeah, everything. Yeah, like I, I saw bits and glimpses of it. And yeah. It, it always... I feel like that's something that comes from your budget as a band. Hmm. And I feel like when we look at it from that perspective, at least from what I understand so far, it doesn't seem financially reasonable to just do that in terms of just going on a tour if you can. Because again, obviously this is something that we had to do because we didn't have a choice, but going to a place like the place Sonic Planet went to, I can only imagine how expensive that is. And I feel like if you, depending on what label you're on, if you bring that up to them, they're going to be like, mm, I just don't think that's financially sound. Like we even asked, like, should we do another live stream since we did the first one? Obviously it's a little bit different because the the response we got quote for quote was, ah, it doesn't seem like feasible because no one knows who you are. And I'm like, that's fair. Mm. Um, but Personally, I can't really see a real reason to do these after pandemic ends unless it's like a special, unless it's like a special where it's like, hi, we're, um, frick, let me think of band. Hi, we're Under Oath, and this is Defying the Great Line because we're never going to play any of these songs live ever again. So you can tap into this like live stream and you can watch it. Unless it's something like that, I just don't see it being a thing yeah um uh no that's a great answer because there's no wrong answer to what you just said by the way because i've had so many talented people like yourselves come on here and say yeah i would love to do live streaming it gives still gives me a chance to engage with my fans alex you brought up twitch earlier that's that's another example Mm -hmm. and some artists would say oh i'm not doing shit until all this is over so (laughs) so it's like there's always that uncertainty going forward yeah I mean, when August Burns Red did that whole Christmas Burns Red thing, that was amazing. I mean, you get to march in your own room, right? Which is great. But I felt like once you do that live stream, you kind of hit that barrier. It's like, okay, we did it. Now, how 
how much more creative can we get? I don't know if you guys remember this. Metallica did this live streaming for one weekend last summer, um, uh, just in the States. And uh, uh, Dallas, Texas sold out immediately. So luckily my friend had to take it. I love telling the story because it's crazy because my my friend had to take it. I was like, should I go? Should I not go? Whatever. I'll, I'll go see what see how it is. You get there. And the turnout feels like an actual like concert, like a metal concert. Like, you know, like when you get there, people are getting drinks, like everyone's like, you know, just huddling up together and like talking to each other, socializing. And then once you get to that open field, there's this drive in theater, you sit in your car and then you start to be like, okay, now it's starting to feel a little weird. And what one of the most popular things we hear at a metal show is like, hey, let me see those horns. Right. And you just see a sea of horns from the fans are doing this. And that adrenaline rush that you feel, you know, when you're on stage, you can't match that. And three days grace open. I remember this. I'll never forget this. Wow. And instead of uh, let me let me see your horns, uh, they go, hey, let me hear you guys honk your horns. So if you roll your window down, you just hear cars <laughs> like honking just in darkness, <laughs> in silence out in the desert. It felt so odd. But the point of me telling you guys the story is that it just made me miss the live experience even more. There's the reason why we love the music that we love let's be real here is because of the live presence that metal exhibits on stage you know it's unmatched you can put any other genre up there on stage it won't even come close to metal i'm and i'm biased but i hope i'm speaking for a lot of people out there but you know it's it's always that thing to look into like like live streaming i mean is some bands would do it like if to another country who may not have access to it i have some friends who have social anxiety and they purposely don't go to shows because of the crowded spaces right so if you do a live stream that gives easy access to them to see you guys you see what i'm saying yeah. there's so many other venues yeah. to explore about what benefits live stream can bring to people i feel like we could dive into that rabbit hole as, as far as I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned this because i've never looked at it that way that's yeah. that's one thing that i never considered it is it, it is a crazy thing to think about because a lot of people benefited from it. A lot of people didn't. It's uh, uh, like I said, we could talk about that part forever. Let's talk about something that we're excited for here. Kiranata, right? We talked about everything except the new album um, drops August 13th on solid state. Now uh, you talked about your previous album. This is the follow-up to your human nature album, which dropped in 2017. Yes, I did check that out. That was a great record. Talk about Why? raising, talk about raising the bar for yourselves, dude, because uh, I begin to think, Alex and Trey, is there any such thing as pressure for you guys for when you sit down to write a whole new album again, even just yeah. a follow up, considering this is that what is it that sophomore album and the commonality and that is that sophomore slump, you know, like, has that ever, mm -hmm. you know, crossed your mind when writing for Kiranata? Um, question, I personally I don't feel I don't feel pressure personally, because um, the way that that Johnny and I write things is he, he basically puts out the skeleton of the song and mm. he does it. So, so much in depth to where it's almost like its own demo. Like he, you won't even like need anybody else. Cause he does so many layers. And uh, what I started to do was um, I actually did feel pressure before because he puts his own drums on just for a backbone. And when I had to write to the songs while there were already drums, I felt pressure of trying to figure out how to make them different. So our recent, um, with this new album, we uh, started doing, uh, he sends parts um, periodically as like little teases. When he's done with the song, I just tell him to bounce the guitars only. And then I write completely blind. And that um, I found took off all the pressure, at least for me. 
Um, and then I, after I finish and I'm happy with it, I compare both and I'm like, wow, it's funny. Cause some parts are like almost identical to what he put in there. And other parts are like totally uh, opposite of what he thought. And yeah. so, um, with this album, we've kind of like done the back and forth more. And I think the fact that we've had an extra couple years that we didn't want to have, it kind of helped us to form a better writing structure that kind of takes off. Um, Cause we didn't have, you know, those deadlines once we, once we needed to have songs done or uh, there was nothing pressing. So we just had a little bit more time to dial in uh, what works as a group. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Trey, did you want to add to that or of course, of course. Or, or, or did he speak for you there <laughs> no I, i'm glad that he he basically told it from uh his perspective yeah um, which, mm-hmm. I, i'm gonna say something like different um for me and i also want to mention like um we were very comfortable because obviously when you watch um a lot of bands don't do this anymore like i think it was super popular when metalcore was at its apex um like in early 2009 and stuff. Like I remember I watched the Miss May I studio update hmm. and then it would show you different aspects of like vocals, guitars and things like that. I know when you get to work with like, I'll just say an example, like a producer like Putney, Putney's probably going to be like, yeah, half of these guitar parts are trash. And then like we'll probably <laughs> come up with new stuff and that's cool. I'm looking forward to that. But um, with our recent producer, uh, Michael Martinson, uh, who's phenomenal, by the way. He plays in a band called Boys of Fall. Um, he uh, it, it kind of let us do our own thing when it came to the instrumental portion of the all of our stuff, Human Nature and Curinata, mostly. So everything that you're hearing is our own parts that wasn't really changed when we went to the studio. So what you're getting is what the songs really were. Um, now, from a vocal aspect, Pressure all the time, bro. Because it's like the first album, I was like, man, uh, like I, I, I have a variation of different vocal styles I like to use because I just I like different styles of bands. So naturally, that stuff has like come with me over the years. Um, growing up listening to a lot of metalcore, and then eventually realizing that my favorite genre is in between the tech and prog subgenres and and some mathcore. Just a little bit. I'm, I, I still am trying to get into there. But anyways, um, trying to use all those styles that I learned and trying to figure out what works best or what fits um, the sound of the band was really hard because with human nature, I was like, I'm just going to use my like fry screams that are more in the post hardcore realm for the forefront of everything I do. And yeah. then I'll bring other styles um, as it as the songs progress. And looking back on all that, I regret doing that because that's not at all what I do now. Um, now it's like those boasting mid are at the forefront of everything on Kiranata, yeah. which is my primary vocal style. It just it is it takes a lot to perform. So I just wanted to focus more on our stage presence and everything with um, uh, human nature. But now with Kiranata, it is all about the music, not to say that we're gonna not perform as well as we used to, but I was more so concerned about what makes the most sense, not what necessarily works, but like if I heard a verse, I'm like, okay, bro, even if I don't wanna put mids here, that's where they would go. It, it literally flows, it's natural. I'm going to literally follow the music this time. Um, um, 
No, no, go ahead. <laughs> We've been doing this throughout the interview. It's like, cause you, you make this mentalist in my head. Like I'm going to ask, or I'm going to ask that, but go ahead, finish, finish, finish. I'm so okay. sorry about that. No, you're good. You're good. Um, so I, once we finally got to sit down and I figured out what I was going to do in versus the hard part came into, uh, you know, the forefront. Cause they were like, so are you going to sing? And I was like, man, <laughs> I was like, I, I want to, I, I wish I could, I, you know, like perfect example. One of my favorite singles, cur- singers currently is uh, Donovan from Hell the Sun. I think he's phenomenal solely because our styles and the way that he screams and I scream sing are so similar that I'm kind of like, I could just, I could do that. I could, I could probably figure that out. But the singing aspect on the album drove me nuts because it's not something that I've really done before. Like I sing a little bit on the track human nature mm-hmm. off the first album, but not really in anything else. So I was just like, is this going to sound good? Will it make sense? Is it one of those things where people are going to listen to it? I was like, Oh, you threw singing in it to throw singing. in it. I don't want that. I don't want everybody ever anyone to listen to our stuff and be like, man, you just do that in there. Cause you threw it in there. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, that's I, not me. But but here's the thing. I, I want to talk about the sound a little bit more. You're talking about getting the sound out. Um, mm-hmm. Something that I think is just as important. I want to talk about Solid State Records because this is a label that I grew up with, right? Uh, this puts okay. your label mates alongside bands like Demon Hunter and and Phineas, who <laughs> uh, Phineas we just had yesterday, uh, Norma Jean, uh, oh, Fit awesome. for a, Fit for a King. What is it like signing with such a prominent label like Solid State to kick things off with a new album, man? <sighs> <laughs> All right, man. You guys are on a roll here. I'm just saying, like, it's. I think it's important to state something like this. Do you know how wild it is to be 16 or 17, and then you're like, oh man, heavy music's cool, and then one day you're on YouTube, and then you find the instrumental for um, the 11th hour, and you're like, what the hell is this? And you've never heard anything like this before. (laughs) So then, then you keep you go deeper, right? And you find the music video for Exposure, and you're like. And then you find out that it's on Solid State Records. Now, for me, this is before, I think the heaviest thing I had heard at this point was a Treyu and maybe As I Lay Dying. So I didn't even know who ABR was yet. And then I heard that and I was like, man, it just doesn't, it's relentless. <laughs> and it's passionate. And all the lyrics are like positive. I'm like, this is great. And the next thing I know, I'm in my friend's living room trying to attempt to scream. Um, so my point of saying this is, Solid State is such a big deal for me because I grew up falling in love with bands like Trenches, Haste the Day, Inhale XL, mm-hmm. um, O Sleeper, like just some of the best and uh, most powerful and even intricate in terms of like guitar work. Some of the most prominent bands have come from this label. So as a kid, since ABR was my favorite band, I'm like, man, that's that's the one. That's the label I want to be on. You know, and, and granted, once I found tech, I was like, oh, man, uh, Sumerian, but don't tell them that. <laughs> um, so <laughs> eventually it's so funny because once Sumerian started to once Ash was like, oh, man, we're going to just throw all kinds of genres on here now. So I kind of was like, eh, this isn't really what I want. Um, but once I realized who all of us were as individuals and what we were as a band, 
and who we want to be and everything that we strive and fight for, I was like, it, it makes no sense for us to be on any label truly that isn't solid state records. Yeah. And it's an honor, honestly. Um, I, I'm just excited to see where you guys go from here because, you know, uh, if I may, um, mm-hmm. I haven't really gotten this out there because I, I need to, I need to let you know what, what I think of this album, because Kiranata top to bottom, it, like I said, it did this came out of left field for me, but it was definitely one of the more in your face. You're talking about the progressive sound, progressive metalcore outings I've come across. And, uh, you know, it was that perfect mix and the fusion of the traditional metalcore. You had progressive metal, you had experimental metal vibes. You guys jump from like here to there with each song, you know, talking about from like Stardust Knit Memory, Cure for Wellness, my personal favorite, Inhabitant, Hall of Presence, all the way to Lux Nova. I mean, I don't care who you are. If you're going to put out a debut record with a new label to begin a new chapter, I mean, like, this is how you do it. I think you guys kind of like set the blueprint for other <laughs> bands out there. There isn't a song on here that didn't make me want to not headbang. I mean, there's definitely a network, awesome. to say the least. To me, that's a good formula. Obviously, you guys have been compared to bands like Architects and Augustman's Red, North Lane, uh, Silent Planet. But you have now put in your own stamp with your own identity with this record and riff after riff after riff this record i mean uh it's as good as it gets here you know uh, that's what i was going to say you know walk me through this how much did things change you're talking about the sound (laughs) how much did things change Uh, if alex you want to take this (laughs) because you're like like, how much did things change i was gonna say like how much did things change from when you first started composing on kiranata to where you ended up finishing it like did a lot change in between did nothing change was there already a specific sound you had <laughs> all right so so all right i'm gonna take you i'm gonna this mind is exploding right now i love this, I this is great. The interview yet. so I'm, I'm gonna take it all the way far back to where truly it started with human nature like the title track because... if you want to move this interview to your rooftop that's totally fine too i'm just saying <laughs> No, like, so, okay, so we, we did that song, right? Because originally, Human Nature and Kiranata were essentially both EPs. They were both, like, mm. maybe eight tracks each. And because we're us, they just developed into what they are today. Now, I am the tyrant in the band because I love technical music, so I just want to be a progressive metalcore band. Like, it's just, mm. excuse me, I want to be the new progressive metalcore band that has the status and um understanding that bands like and this is going to like be totally left field i'm just using that as, as an example like we car like i want to be like that progressive metalcore band is like oh yeah they're progressive metalcore but that's not why you you don't look at it that way. i want you to look at it like same way you look at other bands that are just standard metalcore you just happen to be a little more intricate about it um and to do that it was like when we talked about the new album it's funny because half the band wanted two totally different things i wanted an album that was super techie but super heavy i wanted it all on seven string and the same tuning that songs like hollow presence and inhabitant are in and i'm like just give me hollow presence but the whole time and then you know johnny was like nah (laughs) and i'm like okay i'm like look bro i was like as long as it is still heavy i can meet you halfway and i'm like and and then we don't lose any shred of technicality i'm like i'm good i'm sold so then you know 
Lux Nova, I'm pretty sure like once, well, once we decided that human nature was going to go onto the album, human nature, which I regret. Cause I think mm. it would have did a lot better being on this record because of its, of how intricate it is. I feel like that song reflects everything I wanted. Now, unfortunately that only reflects to me and songs like a cure for wellness because there's so many riffs and it's technically or- orchestrated uh the mountain between us is super technical um you know those two songs is kind of what i wanted but the entire time but i do admit that pure fury needed to be the way pure fury is and so did Flores, and so did hollow presence finding that happy medium of slight technical parts with a lot of overbearing heavy parts. Um, that song was a struggle for me because I had to figure out how can I do all this really cool stuff but still be like caveman and aggressive. And that was a chore. Yeah. But like, obviously at, at the forefront, we started it out and we were like, yo, Hello Drifter was the next step moving from uh, human nature forward. It's all we had at the time. We had little bits and pieces of the mountain between us. I think there's like 10, and this is an exaggeration, I think there's really like 10 different versions of that song. Because um, mm-hmm. I remember there yep. were riffs taken out. Like the, the very first main riff that starts off in the mountain between us, there's like three different versions that don't have that riff. And I like, I remember arguing with them, like, bro, put it back. Like, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like we heard Hello Drifter. And it's, it's weird because the band has, like our recording process is so awkward. We do this thing where the band gets to do all their stuff with the instrumental, but we didn't have the product necessary or programs necessary for me to track my vocals so they could all hear what it would sound like. Mm. So the entire human nature is them knowing what it's going to sound like instrumentally, but having no idea what the hell I was going to do in the booth. Um, same thing with uh, Hello Drifter. I just kind of did that. And the people who were at with the studio with me were like, oh, man, this is sick. And half the band that didn't hear it, they had no idea what they were doing. But Hello Drifter became the blueprint for the entire album. Do you um, guys have a like a personal favorite on Kiranata? Each of you? Yeah. Yes. Is it? Yeah. What is it? For me, I, it's Lux Nova. Okay, okay. I was gonna count down and you guys both say it. Is it the same one? <laughs> <laughs> no, mine is uh mine is Mountain Between Us. And uh you're talking about the production. Uh you had I forget his name. You mentioned him earlier. I, I want to ask about him because Michael you know, Martinson. Yeah. So you had that uh, natural evolution to your sound from mm. when I was discovering you guys, your back catalog, this record, mm. it sounded, it sounded polished. It sounded raw and pure and powerful, but it wasn't overproduced. Like I heard everything. I'm, I'm an audiophile these days. I'm very picky on how I want <laughs> my music to sound the way I want it to sound. Mm. I didn't have to mess with any EQ levels with this one. I mean, as far as production, wow. mixing and mastering, you know, talk about him for a second because uh, okay. who helped you with this? I'm sure there was that sense of comfortability in the studio for you guys, knowing that you had someone like him working on Kiranata with you. Um, so I'm gonna speak for this part for the simple fact that a lot of what I do vocally on this album and on any of our records is because Mike, is, him being a singer, and his other uh, his guitarist also being a singer, like they both sing in every chorus together like they they take turns going on and off in all of their songs yeah it was cool to be in the booth and to get michael's perspective and him being like yo bro this is the harmonies because i still was figuring myself out so he'd be like you know for this next part we're going to layer 
um, you know, a lower register of the screen cleans for this chorus. And then we'll layer regular singing behind it. And that actually formed me singing on the record at all because I had to sing um, normally under my scream singing choruses to make them feel or sound more full. So after doing that so many times, I was like, man, we might as well just do a chorus where I just sing. Um, Cause that was something that was just developed in the process of tracking the songs. Like I want to say the mountain between us originally, it didn't have those cleans in it, but as I started to track in the booth, I literally was like, bro, in my head, this makes more sense. So I'm just going to do like the monotone singing here. And then when the chorus comes in, we'll just stack all of it to make it like orchestrated all at once. But trying to get some of these choruses, like the inhabitant chorus, man, because that's like that. There's so much power going on from me during that. It sounds awesome. I love that chorus. But it, it did t- take a lot for me to do that, um, especially worth, here. It was it was worth every second, man. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, you know, between writing and structuring the songs and the production process, like you just talked about, I want people out there to know how important this is to you, too, because the lyricism throughout Kiranata, uh, the origins of that center around uh, human emotion. Right. At, at a time like today, I feel like it would really resonate with a lot of people. You know, songs like Pure Fury and Wonder and Floros. A cure for wellness. I, I begin to think, hold on a second, Trey. Hold on. I, I begin to think, <laughs> I begin to think if, if there was a reason why you guys chose the songs you did as singles before the release, like before the release, like if there was a theme to this album. And if that's true, you know, to a level, do you guys like to have a theme for your music and how important are themes to you? Is that more about helping you write or sound or is that more for the audience? Because there are artists out there who don't really care about themes. They just do 10 songs in the studio and that's it. But I felt like with Kiranato, you guys really honed in to, again, that identity and wanted to get that out there to the people. So um, is, is there a theme? Um, all right, man. Here's, here's the weird part. Because to, to, to be honest with you, uh, today with some of these interviews, I've learned a lot about the album that I didn't even realize hmm. was a thing subconsciously. Uh, there was a theme, but it wasn't necessarily at the forefront because it was more like we sat down one day. We're like, yo, it's time to start the writing process. At the time, the mountain between us was in a weird disarray. And, uh, oddly enough, Lux Nova is the only song on the record that kind of was done as it was written. Like there's like maybe a Mm -hmm. version and a half of that song. What it inevitably came to be is kind of how it always was, which blows my mind because I'm like, I asked John, I'm like, how did you write something that was just kind of just that perfect? Because that's an intricate song. So I don't understand how there's only like one version of it. But we sat down and we're like, yo, Hello Drifter is the song. And we all agreed that the rest of the record has to be similar uh, of that kind of content. So I sat back as a vocalist and I'm kind of like, well, the reason why Hello Drifter does so well is because it is the most emotional thing I've ever written. And it is the most pretty yet heavy thing that has that consistency the entire time that we've ever written. So I'm like, I guess instead of just talking about positive things, because with human nature, it was more so uh, world conflicts, emotional conflicts, and like the grand scheme of things in a general sense. 
I wanted this to still feel general, but I wanted it to feel more personal as well. And I tried my best to like wordplay a little bit so I wasn't too direct about myself. So the listener could still relate and convey it um, to who they are. Once, once it leaves my hands and goes into your ears, that is your album, that is your way to interpret it. Um, and I will always write it both ways because I, I naturally just do that. So subconsciously, mental health became the theme. And I think as the band kind of realized that's what it was, no one told me to stop. They kind of just let me go. Do either of you see Kiranata as a snapshot of where you are in a certain time in your life looking back? Yes. Unfortunately. Yeah, I would say so. Unfortunately, because I didn't feel the way that I feel right now when I wrote those songs. Hmm. A lot of songs off of uh, Kiranata were not like, okay, for example, A Cure for Wellness is an experience I had in the middle of 2016. Um, but as I wrote it, I didn't feel that way. Um, Hello Drifter, I felt how I wrote that word for word as I was writing it at that time. I still felt that way. Um, Pure Fury and Wonder, I didn't feel that way when I wrote it. The reason why I'm saying all this is because I do now. Mm -hmm. um, all those dark experiences that I kind of went through, that I kind of wrote to try to be therapeutic, I did get over those things. Um, finding that in these songs. But now there are recent experiences that are very similar to what I experienced before that poetically seem to just kind of slap me in the face that are so relatable to this album. Like Pure Fury, I feel the same way that I did. Like, well, how that song is, how it feels emotionally, lyrically with that song is how I feel every day now, which sucks. But it's just something that I have to battle with and it is what it is now i i mean you can say it is what it is but it really connected with someone like me and uh <laughs> I, I think you guys really nailed it to the t here as far as getting that message across i know we're reaching the uh uh the you know the end of this interview but you know everything you guys are telling me you know from the different experiences and perspectives in each of your timelines that you've taken in which we've discussed about so far you know uh performing for as long as you have and and the people you have met and worked with during this record the uh -huh. touring cycles alongside different bands, your relationship with each other and with your bandmates signing with solid state. And it sounds like you still have much left to put out there with spirit breakers, artistic vision and yours. You know, this is definitely something that you guys have a passion for. And the truth is, is from what I'm saying, you've experienced plenty already in your careers, Trey and Alex, you know, and then some, you know, have either of your aspirations as individuals or just even musicians, have they changed or evolve since when you first started performing in the industry? Do you guys see things differently today? Um, well, that was you want to go? Okay, I'll go. Um, in terms of the band, like uh, Spirit Breaker is one of the only things that I've never honestly doubted. Um, and that's coming from someone who struggles with self-doubt. Um, I'm pretty hard on myself, but the band mm. and what we have is like one thing that I've really been consistently always believed in i've never once doubted and i think that um you know to touch on an earlier point when trey said the importance of of us being on solid state um if we ended today as a band i would still be happy because that was always my end goal no matter how far we were able to take it yeah please and, don't do that like the, the fact no 
<laughs> um, we're good until uh, probably 2030 uh, at the minimum. So we'll, we'll check back um, on that. <laughs> yeah. But if, if the worst case scenario did happen and, you know, uh, something happened to the band, I would, I would be happy because that was always the goal, you know, as a 15 year old to be able to be on a label like that. Um, but the crazy part is it just feels like we're just beginning. And the fact that um, when you, when you asked about how your perspective shifts, it definitely changed in the way of like, we felt like we accomplished all that we could at our current stage um, before we got signed. And now it's like, we're back at the start. So now our perspective is like, well, we got to relearn how to prospect again, instead of like how to, how to feel like we are um, in a good spot to where we belong. It's, kind of like we have to relearn how to earn that title. You know what I mean? Yeah. So um, I, the shift I, on the industry is like that. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, you know, you were talking about how being hard on yourself. I think it's that that's okay to an extent. You know, it's like if you weren't hard on yourself, you're just saying I'm, I'm the same way, you know, mm-hmm. I feel like if I wasn't hard on myself, I'll put my perspective into this. I, it probably shows that you don't care about what you do, you know, and how mm-hmm. boring would it be if you just kind of just whiz through life, just, you know, Oh, I don't care. I'll just do this, this, this. If everything just right. had, everyone had the same mindset, it would be boring. You'd never push yourself to become a better performer, better vocalist, better mm-hmm. drummer, better musician, better person. I, I think that if you have that level of anxiety, if you have that level of, you know, if I, if, you know, I don't know if this song is going to sound right. I don't know if I'm doing this right. That's good. It shows mm-hmm. that you have a care for the craft that you have. And, and uh, uh, I'm, I'm here to tell you that that's okay. You know, and mm-hmm. I, I want you to keep pushing Spirit Breaker to, I mean, again, I don't mean sounding like a broken record, but I'm excited to see where you guys go from here. As you guys are telling me this, if you guys weren't musicians, what would you be doing right now? Has that ever crossed your mind? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I I have an answer for that. Um, all right. So this is something that I don't say publicly because um, it's something I do plan on doing while being in the band. Mm-hmm. Um is to go back to school and to pursue um, like uh, being a psychologist or a therapist. I'm doing the exact same thing. So you're okay. That's awesome. Exact same thing. Um, I've like, I've like, here's the thing. I've like, I've like 12 hours left. I'm even having like musicians coming on here. Like, yeah, Sonny, get that done. <laughs> so I'm like, <laughs> like I've, it's, it's for a public relations degree and it'll tie in well with interview under fire. So I'm like, yeah, that's, Bro, that's, it's, it's, that's the best thing to do. It was, it was Capstan, by the way, if you guys have heard of Capstan. <laughs> yeah. So they're yeah. like telling me, Sonny, get that done. If I have a band like that telling me to get things done, I'm going to get it done. So I know right. exactly what you're talking about, Trey. Go ahead. So I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, man, you're good. Uh, so yeah, like, I, you know, I wanted to do that um and to somehow incorporate that into music like i like um i like jake's idea with heart support and i kind of man it'd be cool if we had actual therapists in house support like you know heart support Hmm. um i originally wanted to start my own thing but i'm like it already exists i'll see if that's something that he and i can partner with whenever i come across or if i run that in man um, it's so funny because like we've we've been to so many of their shows. I've had so many conversations with them. He probably has no idea who I am, and that's why it's so funny <laughs> um, how, how music works. But um, yeah, so it's either that um, I would just only be a psychologist or a therapist, and I'd also be focusing more on streaming, and uh, I probably would be a reviewer for gundam kits and i would be doing more custom gundam paint jobs and things like that 
Um, but it's funny because I feel like one day everyone wakes up, maybe not everyone, but most people, you wake up and you realize that just no matter what you would have done, I would have ended up in a room with a spirit box and a Sentinel's wall flag talking to you. <laughs> there's, there's just no, like, even at my um, lowest, when I was like, man, I don't want to do this anymore. Somehow, next thing I know, I'm magically on stage doing it like it's the best thing I've ever done. I just think it's one of those things where it doesn't matter which version of you, whether it's universe one you or universe 20 you, you were always going to do the thing that you were meant to do. Yeah, there, things have a way of uh, working themselves out. Is, is uh, I like to say that because it, it is crazy how kind of just, you know, I come from a family of musicians and I started off engineering in school uh-huh. and, you know, and now it's kind of just rounding out to like, here I am today talking to some amazing people like yourselves, for the doing, you know, talking about the music that we love, you know, that's what I was mm-hmm. meant to do. And again, it's like, what is that? That quote from X-Men is like, you throw a ripple in the, like a rock in the, in the, in the river, but the ripple will always like correct itself. The way yeah, that, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. I think I think it's from like uh, Days of might, Future Past. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, it might happen differently. Bro. Maybe maybe a little bit. I don't think I'm saying it right, but I, you get what I'm saying. Uh, as far as like I, the example, I love Days of Future Past. By the way, great so. movie. Okay, now we're gonna end the interview on this note. So usually I end. I ask my. I don't think I've ever done it with two people. We'll try it. I think I have. I'm not sure. I've done like 300 of these, but um, <laughs> I I, I want to ask like we talked about you know themes and you know I, we just talked about technically a movie just now, but what are five favorite, you kind of knew this was coming, five favorite albums or movies either of you can think at the top of your head that mean yeah. a lot to you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, ease. Take it away. <laughs> oh, okay, bro. Let's get it. Let's get it. Um, first and foremost, I battle with this every single freaking day, whether I think it's the greatest album of all time or if it isn't. Wrath's debut album is easily one of the best albums I've heard. And I mean this on a board of all musical genres that mm-hmm. ever existed, ever. Wrath's first album is what, arguably the greatest album I've ever heard. It, it just, I, I try to fight it. I can't. It is. If I, if I could own a vinyl or a wall flag, I would get it. But they I don't know if you know who that band is, but they yeah, are bad. I do. I'm biting my tongue, so I'm not trying, I'm trying not to interrupt you. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um... And and you know what? I would argue that the album after that is arguably the second best, but <laughs> now I'm just being obnoxious. Um, <laughs> Still World by Invent Animate. Um, oh, solely, because, solely because, like, bro, I, I've tried to deny this. I have. But every time, like, I use Apple Music, so I look at my Apple Music replay for, like, mm-hmm. you know, streams out of the year. And it's what 2021, and that album's been out for over four years. And bro, I've still pushed 72 listens this year on just that album. And I'm like, it speaks for itself. Yeah, it, it's it's always in my top ten every year. So clearly, that means something. All right, that's two. That's two, right? Yeah, that's two. Okay. Yeah. Um, as far as movies go, wait, don't you don't want to do you don't want to do a top five of albums? That was you, that's it. You, you, okay, okay. That's up to you, man. Is it? Yeah, if it's going. just two, keep it's going. two. <laughs> You can have them. You can have them. Um, Because after those three, after those three, this is where it gets kind of tough. Um, If you want to tackle movies, we can we can go that route. No, but we're already here. So (laughs) (sighs) no turning back (laughs) by ABR. Wait, which one? Phantom Anthem. 
Oh, that album. Yeah. I think my favorite ABR album. It's so hard because it's. I mean, it every is. album is just a great A plus. I, it's. I, I take mm-hmm. each answer like as it is because it's yeah, there is yeah. really, you know. For, for me, for me, for me, it's constellations. I mean, I don't think that has ever changed. Just because I, the way I pick my albums, it's not. Be, it's not only because the way it sounds, but how how much of an impact it has had on my life. Yeah. You know, uh, like another mm-hmm. ap- album on my list is a uh, uh, Siamese dream from smashing pumpkins, you know, because that's an okay. album I, I grew up with, you know, and it has a, that is an yeah. important part of, of, of who I am. It's an extension of who I am. So uh, constellations growing up with that, even if they <laughs> plan to release, which I probably, they will another new album, which is one of the, the best constellations will mm-hmm. always be up there because that was my gateway to ABR into, you know, um, Anyway, we can talk about ABR forever. Sorry, that's what's that? Okay, that's four true. albums, right? Four albums. That's four albums. Okay, yeah, one more. All right, man. This is oh my god. I, I I'm hope I'm hoping this is like the most different one, like the one that's out of left field. That's like, mm-hmm. like I, I could give you one of those, but it would man. All right, I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what is between, just so you can see where my mind's at. Okay. So it is out of these albums. It is out of divided by by structures. Okay. Um, Hollow Crown by Architects. Oh man. Okay. Uh, Eclipse by Vela Maya. Oh my God. Bear. The very first <laughs> Iris to the Bear Once album. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. What was that last part? The very first Iris to the Bear Once album. Oh my goodness gracious! Great balls of fire. Okay. That's like. <laughs> All right. We're gonna have to. <laughs> We're gonna have it's to like tough, it is it is tough. It, I, I like I said, I put you on the spot. Um, but uh, guys, this has been an honor. Uh, Alex, did you want to add anything to that at all? Oh yeah, or, let's do let's do a top five. Okay, okay. So you can do movies um, or music, whichever or both, however you want to do it. Let's let's do music because then if I do mu- if I do movies, I would just go into anime, and that's probably something that a lot of people don't want to hear about. So um, <laughs> you'd be surprised though. I'm just saying, I, I would actually be interested sure. in that. But but go ahead. Um. If I had to rate the top, if I, you know, pick the first, uh, first album out of everything, I would have to go off of like impact. And so I would probably pick for today, um, breaker. I mean, um, man, that one like, like shaped a lot of where I would go. I mean, I got, I got a, I don't know if you can see this. It's like the actual album art of the album from like 2013 with a, with the blue like wings. Yeah. Um, that's sick, dude. But in terms of like, in terms of personal enjoyment and like mindset, um, there's a band called The Midnight, and they released an album called Endless Summer, and it's like, I don't know, it, cha- it changed like how I view music because it's polar opposite of metal. It's it's like synthwave. If you've ever heard of them, yeah, um, it, it's very chill and it's very like there's a saxophone. There's like, um, it's all clean stuff compared to like what I've normally grown up in with metal. And I'm just like, this is so weird. Why do I like this music? See, this is the, and, see, that, um, that was, I was waiting for that. Something like that. Like that's like, you know, <laughs> an extension of who you are, like something that's like, yeah, maybe on, you know, like, like I love Janis Joplin, like something like that. That's okay. Mm-hmm. That's probably not the best example, but you get what I'm saying. But I like that. Yeah, I love how no. like something like that is a part of who you are. Mm-hmm. And I remember listening to it for the first time. Somebody sent like a clip. It was actually um, Johnny recorded this video this video of him in the bathroom headbanging to no music with and flickering the lights on and off and it was like such a funny video but someone put the midnight 
to that video and it was like the sax part and i'm like whoa what is this so i listened to the album i just like put headphones in late at night and it took me for like an actual trip do you and have that video now, somewhere <laughs> oh yeah i'll send i'll send it to you it's great johnny yeah, he, will hate me sorry bro he, he keeps everything <laughs> like if, if you've done anything in the band that's like very it. specific like yeah. everything you just described about that entire clip i have to see it for myself to even believe it that it's great be- and i think it's years ago that i've it's seen important. Like, <laughs> it's important it's I'm definitely sorry. important yes <laughs> it's important because that clip and that led to me finding that band and that album that night and that song in the clip ended up being my wedding song that we like walked out to which is so funny because wow. um it just it's just a meme that became like one of my favorite things in the world <laughs> but um and that trey and the other guys hate it because when we're on tour uh, and I'm, i usually drive at night me and yeah. johnny are in the front just like playing synthwave and they're just like oh my god please but um, th- those two albums are, I would rate my favorites. And then I would go into um, understanding what we've grown to be by We Came as Romans. That's just like a like a classic to me. Um, That's coming off of Planet Steve's, like, yeah. Um, Ghost Inside, Return um, Returners, is a top. Oh my goodness. Yep. And um, man, for number five, like. I would have to pick between probably I don't want to give a safe choice and say zombie EP. Um, but I would I would probably say uh invent animate uh dark bloom. Yeah. Well, no, I, I can't do still world. I can't do still world. Sorry, Trey. Um, <laughs> I think I'm the odd one out. Most people seem to say uh ever changer. Yeah, yeah, that, that that's like that's a very changer. that's a, that's a common one I hear from people too. Yeah, but have you guys have you guys toured with Invent Anime yet? No way. I wish. No. Please make okay. Okay, <laughs> they, they I'm, I'm, I'm gonna say it right now. Here's here's the thing. Are. This podcast is gonna be on literally a, every major stream out there. So shout out to Invent Anime. Please take uh, Spirit Breaker with you on tour. <laughs> I mean, I'll be the first one there going crazy in the mosh, and I don't mosh anymore these days. But um, that's gonna be a Talk about coming back into the fray with the whole out once the pandemic's over. That'll be that'll be the tour to come I back would, to. I would give anything. Um, by the <laughs> way, uh, uh, this is the lot we're gonna finish this interview now, but do me a favor and just stick around for like 30 seconds after the interview. I'm gonna tell you guys gotcha. something pretty cool. Um, but mm-hmm. do you guys have any last words, just any shout-outs, anything you'd like to plug in or mention as far as Spirit Breaker or Kiranata before we finish things off here? I don't know if you have any music video coming yeah. out soon. Uh, I know yeah. touring's opening up. I don't know what you can, I cannot yes. say. Oh, yeah. Tell him, Trey. All right. I'm gonna check this out. Check this out. I'm going to spit some heat real quick. Check this out. So <laughs> next Friday, um, August 6th, The Mountain Between Us drops. Um, the album, Kiranata, drops August 13th. Mm-hmm. The new music video for The Mountain Between Us drops August 20th. Um, there is going to be a merch rollout that has Pretty Mountains on it. Um, it's going to have a little crest on the front. You'll be able to get it in like a teal sky blue and in black. And it is a themed The Mountain Between Us shirt with lyrics from The Mountain Between Us also. So that's going to be pretty dope. <laughs> Man, I can't wait, dude. Uh, everyone who's listening, this is Alex and Trey from Spirit Breaker. Do us all a favor, everyone out there. Buy the album because the bands can't do it without your help. I mean, Spotify streams are great, but I think there was a stat out there saying... Um, 
I don't know if you guys heard this, like three years worth of Spotify streams is like one album purchase. Have you heard that stat? <laughs> Something like that. But, but but I'm just saying, I still buy records that's sitting in the corner of my room. I'm old fashioned like that. So I, I'm, I'm, do me a favor, everyone out there, buy the album. Kiranata drops August 13th on Solid State Records. Uh, you can listen to this podcast on all major podcast streams out there. Check us out on interviewunderfire.com. Alex and Trey, this has been awesome. I know we clocked in over an hour on this interview. Was not planning on it, but it's oh man, it's I just, love it, it. it I was love just it. speaking to you, great guys. I can't wait till you guys come to Dallas. I would love to nothing more than help you guys book a show here and just get Funny. the ball rolling on that. So Funny. I don't know if I can say this, but I'm gonna go ahead and say it. Uh, we might be there. Um, what is that on the 13th of a certain month? I mean, it's gonna be next year, and it's gonna be like <laughs> springtime, certain month. It's going to be springtime. Okay. I'm pretty sure we have a date in Dallas. So I will hit you up if we do. Let's we'll please do that. Because uh, now you got me itching to figure out what that is. I love I love those uh, clues like that. Anyway, uh, you guys be <laughs> safe out there in Michigan. And I will see you next time. Thank Thanks you, for man. having us. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Interview Under Fire Podcast. If you guys liked what you heard, please subscribe and share our channel. And please leave a five-star review as that helps us tremendously. If you'd like to check out more, visit www.interviewunderfire.com or our social media channels on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And finally, we want to thank you all for the support you've been giving us. Keep it burning.